0: a human is 120 to 150 pounds. A horse Mm -hmm. is 10 times our body mass. Mm -hmm. So when you walk into a room with a person that you know who I get kind of like the bad vibe from, that's just basically your electromagnetic field. A horse is 10 times our electromagnetic field. That's why the connection is there. That's why they're so in tune and if we listen and we feel and we wait, we are, we get so in tune with them. Hey, my name is Lisa Dearson and I do horse stuff, for horse films, horse documentaries, horse artwork, horse horses, horse literature. It just goes on and on. If it's horses, I, I love it.
1: Yeah. How did you, okay, so I I was listening to this other podcast that you mentioned, the one with Rupert, and I heard you say that you used to be an engineer. I didn't know this about, so like, what's the, if you don't mind just like the high level story of like how you got into this horse stuff so um, intensely, because you're like the person.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't know about that, but um, like at your age, don't ever think that you're done with exploring where your life is going because when i was your age i was working for dental motors in engineer in the engineering department they sent me to school the next phase after that when gm we were it happened to be during all of the oh 90s late 80s 90s when everything was turning differently with the car industry and and the engineering was becoming more computerized and all of that, and I wasn't going to move from Chicago to Detroit when they phased out one of the facilities that I was at. So, our my next kind of evolution into what I do ended up being with um, building homes, custom homes. Mm-hmm. My my ex and I built and developed subdivisions and built custom homes, and so from there, it then kind of went into uh, my my own home home building and. And development business and then from there it went into horse breeding with Lusitanos Mm. and that just naturally once I saw Rupert's film because Rupert and I connected up at one of the Lusitano events because he also had Lusitano horses or and at at that time he was Andalusian and Lusitanos and then um, we connected up I saw his film I was just like, oh my god! Everyone in the world should see this documentary because one of the biggest things that I think most people in the world don't do is I don't think they have enough empathy for people who deal with children with special needs. Mm-hmm. And in that documentary, I don't know if you've ever seen the Horse Boy documentary, but it is it's it's really moving, and it and it talks a lot about you know the struggles that families go through with kids with with autism. And so I saw that film, I was like, oh my gosh. And At the time we were building, or developing a, a an equine event in our area. So I was having Rupert come in and I thought, well, this would be a great time to show the film. We have a little theater in St. Charles and Rupert was gonna be there. He could do a Q and A afterwards. And so I asked my friend who had theater, if we could show the film at the theater. And he said, sure. And then I asked him, well, what if we get a few more films? And he said, well, all right. And I had 30 films that weekend. So everything just kind of evolved from that. And then, and now here we are.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, And not to completely derail the subject here, but I noticed you have a Tammy Tappin art Uh, there in the back.
0: You know, I set that up just because I knew that you had done an interview with Tammy. And the other picture is a melody and who I'm, I will introduce you to. Melody, Melody is doing my uh, is my co organizer on the ground in Albuquerque or in uh, Westcliffe, Colorado, where we're doing the event at the end of September. We're doing an mm-hmm. uh, an Equus Film Festival Mustang Summit in Westcliff that the last weekend of September, and Melody is does amazing Mustang paintings. So I have Tammy and I have Melody behind me. So I was like, oh, I'm going to stick up my Tammy and see if he notices it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I noticed it um, a few minutes in. I was like, oh, wow, that's it's just such a small world, right? Well, Um, and she's
0: going to be part of the festival going forward too, Tammy and her artwork.
1: Oh, really? That's awesome. So tell me a little bit more about like how you end up putting all these events together, because it seems like you have an event almost at least three events a year that are like big events. I'm sure you have more. um... We're
0: working. The goal now since COVID is over uh, is to have one event a month. Uh, Oh, wow. um, Well, like we, we partner with a couple of big horse expos. So we're part of the Rocky Mountain Horse Expo. Hmm. So with the Rocky Mountain Horse Expo, we'll have a Mustang summit and an Equus Film Festival there at at the time um we're also part of uh, we did uh equine affair last year so we did some of that so we, we're working to ha- be down in um, ocala florida at the world equestrian center so we're working towards that so we do kind of we partner with different groups to bring in the film festival and then the mustang summit as part of it so we'll be in like we're going to be in uh, Orangeville, Ontario, Canada next summer. Uh, the uh, We're heading, Sky is at least heading, and we're going to be sending films with him to Ecuador this year. Um, we work with a film festival in Germany, a little horse film festival in Germany that they send their films to us after they just finished their festival. And so we partner with them. So there's a lot of little different moving pieces and parts now. So it, it, it's evolving and growing. Yeah. Exponentially. What,
1: what, yeah, for real. One event a month is a lot of events, actually. A lot to plan and a lot to coordinate. Like, which brings me to the question of what kind of goes into organizing an event? Let's focus on, just like, for an example, the one you're doing in Colorado. The one, the West Cliff Colorado Mustang one.
0: Uh, well, we have... I'm sorry, my, my camera just moved down. We have... um. Let's see let me turn it. oh it, sometimes it does that it just goes off and then comes back on <laughs> uh, okay. I'm, we have a coordinator on the ground and this in in west cliff it's melody de benedictus she's been one of the equus artists she has a website beautiful website and then she also has a gallery in west cliff colorado um so she'll help she's helping doing a lot of the organizing on the ground we're working with uh, an equestrian center there called Bee Bar Bee Ranch. Our goal of being in Westcliff, Colorado, is there's over 2,000 vet- retired veterans in what's called the Wet Mountain Valley area right there where Westcliff is. Mm-hmm. But they have no equine program. And as we know, Mustangs and veterans work very, very well together. So. Absolutely. We're coming in to hopefully be able to raise some funds to send one or two of the uh, horse people through an equestrian program that'll qualify them to work with in a tandem team program with a, th- psych- a therapist and a vet and a veteran. So we have to have a, a, a horse, a person, an equine person trained to work with with the veterans so and,
1: are you raising so is this film festival kind of uh, to raise part of money? it will
0: be a fundraiser part of part of our we'll have a vip event on thursday night that part of the funds will go to helping get one equine professional in the area through one of the, the programs so tammy mm. works with um amanda held who you met amanda out in or in Sacramento last year, she runs the Hooves program in mm-hmm. Ohio, mm-hmm. the Hooves Veterans program, and so Amanda also has a certification system that goes along with her program that, that qualifies people to be able to work with with the veterans. So uh, that um Lynn Lynn John or Lynn Thomas has a program it out with her arches program in totally. utah so yep. she has a certification program so our goal is to send someone through lynn's program hopefully to qualify them to be able to work with veterans in that area
1: and then um they'll have a the certification they'll have maybe a couple horses or something and then they'll be able to start working with yep. vets and helping them get through their own uh, you know ptsd or whatever they may and have hopefully hopefully
0: Hopefully making those horses be Mustangs. Our our mm. main goal is to is to work at, to make that the horse that, that that we want people to do veterans programs with be Mustang horses. How come. They because Mustangs have gone through a lot of PTSD, they they work very well with veterans. They the veterans identify with the horses much better than they do a domesticated horse where mm. the the react if you've seen a, a Mustang coming right off of the, the the range, you know horses. They're very reactive. They're the flight mechanism is totally full blown. You have a veteran who's coming back who's suffering PTSD or has a TBI. The horses, the Mustangs, just connect in a, in a different way. Um, I'm I'm trying to remember if you got to meet Michael Dunn. You might have already been gone. Um, or he might have been gone. Michael Dunn runs a program in California called Equine Empowered Therapy, and he's an older gentleman. And his program services veterans, but blind veterans that work with Mustang wild, untouched Mustang horses in wildcats, wow. and it's just uh, unbelievable to watch some of the video and that that comes back from from what they do. So he, ha- yeah, he has an amazing, amazing program running. So, you know, we keep constantly trying to work more and more on getting everybody, all the pieces and parts connected. Yeah. So that, yeah. so that it's benefiting because when you ben- benefit the veterans, you benefit the horses, and yeah, it's, a, it's win. a win-win. It's a win-win.
1: Yeah. No, that's awesome. I've had the opportunity to chance, uh, opportunity to speak with a couple of veterans who have gone through some of these like programs and it's night and day, man. Like I, I, it's, it's, it's uh something that I am yet to be able to pinpoint of like why horses have this magic inside of them, right. Uh, that can transform someone so, so much. And uh, we all owe them so much. I mean, you know, Felipe likes to say that dogs are man's best friend, but horses help conquer the world. And, they Without did. a horse, there's no there's no world that we live in today, right? Right,
0: right. right. No modern civilization. Yeah. I, I, and Rupert and I talked a bit about a bit about this. We roughly a human is 120 to 150 pounds. A horse mm-hmm. is 10 times our body mass. Mm-hmm. So when you walk into a room with a person that you know, who I get kind of like the bad vibe from. That's just basically your electromagnetic field a horse is 10 times our electromagnetic field that's why the connection is there that's why they're so in tune and if we listen and we feel and we wait we are we get so in tune with them Mm -hmm. so it's just it is magic the first time you ever sit and work with either a veteran or someone who is really in crisis that has never been around a horse And you sit with that that first moment through a therapy session with them and help them walk through what they're going through. It changes everything. It changes you. It changes them. It changes the horse. I've seen horses do things in therapy sessions that I still can't explain. Mm -hmm. And it's just like they know. Just like they know. They're so intuitive.
1: Well, they, they, you say, they say you, uh, horses can feel your heartbeat right from six feet away right. something like that. Right. Um, right. so whatever you, whatever energy you come in with, they can pick up on instantly. Right. Um, so they're, your, they're like in a lot of ways and I've heard this before is like, they're your mirror. Uh, yeah. so no, it's just so, so interesting. I, I'm, I'm so, I have so many questions for you, Lisa. I, don't, I was like, where do I start? But I'm I'm curious. Another like another kind of sub topic of this is, you know, you are constantly watching films. You're constantly uh, reading books, listening to podcasts, being guests on podcasts. Like how how do you manage uh, like being the you're you're the connector in the horse world? Like you know, I feel like you know everyone, right? <laughs> what what I feel like that's your and I, I think I've heard you say like you 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 feel like you're the connector within all these folks, and then Equus Film Festival is kind of like the way that it materializes. Um, I'm curious from your perspective, like it, is that true? Like, how do you how do you see yourself within this uh, equine ecosystem?
0: I think the world that we're in, and and I I pull the mustangs into that too because we've really gotten into the Mustangs because of the storytelling aspect that Equus Film Festival is. There there was no venue for people who tell the stories, whether it's through film or, or art or literature. Behind me, see that t- table full of books? Yeah. <laughs> Those are books that are getting checked in for the film festival this year. Those are, that's half of the literary entries that are wow. just getting checked in. So um. There was no no vehicle to to award them or or say hey this was a great job like here's a, an award because your work stood out over and above your peers' work so that's what how ECHO was kind of started mm-hmm. it, it literally started organically like that and then first it was the films and the books came in and the art came in right away because it's a great way for an artist to be on our poster or, or whatever, you know, um, our whole Westcliff poster series is uh, running horse, running Mustangs, which is Rhonda Gregorio's book. that's just coming out this fall. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful coffee table book about Mustang horses and the, the extreme Mustang makeover trainers. So she went around the country and filmed and photographed all of these trainers and the book is beautiful but so she's a, she is a photographer now turned to an author who is also a Mustang person. So it all all of these things are are, re, are really important with all the different stories that are out there needing to be told about the Mustangs. So she tell she, in her book she's photographed probably I want to say maybe 20, 25. she did Lasan. And Hannah, when they were riding through Washington, D.C., she came out and rode with them mm-hmm. and then filmed and, sh- and and photographed them in front of the Washington Monument. The pictures are incredible. I mean, we had Mustangs and burros on the lawn in front of the Washington Monument. They rode downtown, the most hair-raising drive of my life, following them and trying to keep traffic back and everything, into downtown washington dc with wow. these horses and then Rhonda was with her and then they photo she got off the horse and shot him you know took took the images and so all of the- who would know that and so uh, maybe i would be talking to someone else and i'd say well this is the photographer for you mm-hmm. or or i meet you and i'm like well gosh you you want to do a podcast series on this you need to talk to these people, and those yeah. <laughs> people. because there's a lot of There's a lot of kind of Western horsemen kind of about the ropers and the rainers. And there's, there's the English, you know, the jumpers and the dressage people at that, those upper ends, but it's the rest of the horse people that are here that are telling the stories and and that everybody who's a world-class dressage rider started on a pony somewhere. 90% of them, everybody who is a, a top reiner or a roper started maybe in four h or doing something. Everybody starts at the bottom. Every everyone. You don't get on a horse and go out and ride an Olympic dressage. It just <laughs> it doesn't happen. You know that with Polo. You that know, one of the documentaries we have this year is um called Freedom Reigns. It's about a Mustang rescue out in California. But it's run by a family that used to work in the polo industry and their son is autistic and he helps them with the with the Mustangs, with making them gentle and riding the ones that they that they start to ride. But he was uh, he was a top polo player in, in his high school class. Whoa. So, I mean, it's so so that right there is a really super interesting film for you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> For you sure. know,
0: and the filmmaker will be coming to Albuquerque with us. And he's also coming to Westcliff because we'll screen the film in Westcliff. Mm-hmm. And he'll talk about that afterwards. We have um, Temple Grandin's new documentary coming into Westcliff. And of all the autistic people in the world, she is like
1: the most famous, probably. Yes.
0: Yes. So, you know, is she's
1: Temple Grandin's still. She's still around.
0: She's uh she's a professor at University or uh Colorado State University she runs a whole program a whole department oh really actually yes yes so wow. there's just all these little little for, kind of like little stories
1: for folks who might not know Temple Grandin there's a really famous movie about her I'm sure you know the name or if not um it's called it's uh, I think it's just called Temple Grandin is it not
0: no um um' I'm um, um it might just be temple Brandon. and
1: but anyway she like pioneered uh claire um,
0: dane's played her
1: mhm and the what makes the movie so interesting is like she they they tell the story of temple who uh pioneered the way of taking care of uh cattle in a way that is much more humane and ethical uh, than anyone else has ever thought of because she she was really attuned to to cattle specifically uh, well, which is...
0: had to do with squeezing squeezing like yeah think about your dog what do they call them shirts now that's all from her squeeze
1: the uh, yeah there. that's so true yeah anyway someone that is that's awesome I can't believe it I feel like she's uh she's famous in the in the in our world right
0: <laughs> right, right exactly um, and but I functioning Lisa
1: I'm curious like what makes you so passionate about sharing these stories like I understand. I can understand someone seeing Horse Boy and saying anybody needs to see this or or even, you know, going out and and watching a movie that really moves you. And you're like, man, I wish everybody saw this. But sometimes I go into a movie and I think I I think I'm going to send this recommendation to my family and my friends. I think it's a great movie. I don't go out and create a whole film festival about it. Right. So, like, what makes you so, so passionate about it?
0: So, Rupert's film. Mm-hmm. the horse boy that wasn't just the only film that year we got 29 other films one was about a scaramusa mm-hmm. which is mexican ro- rodeo, but the girls riding in their yeah.
1: uh, side saddle
0: mexican side saddle drill team
1: mm-hmm.
0: blew me away um we had a black rodeo documentary that was filmed mm-hmm. in 72 in harlem which who knew they did a big rodeo in Harlem blew me away. We had a jousting documentary. I had I had documentaries about everything that was going on in this equestrian, this horse event
1: we were yeah. doing because
0: we had jousters, we had mental health and horses. We had a Native American uh, component to this bigger event that the, the film festival was part of. But I was passionate about the one film, about Rupert's film, but then all of a sudden... I got to see these other works and I went, wait a minute. And then right after the festival, a group from the Netherlands reached out to us that wanted to come in and partner with us um, more or less, basically kind of take us over. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to move it right away into New York or or to either New York or LA. It was going to be one or the other. And so we went into New York to start to set up and, Got into that and I was not I wasn't really happy with the way they were going to be treating filmmakers so I backed us out of being partners with them and kept it on the mission that I feel that this this storytelling rewarding the storytellers needs to be on mm. it, it, it's not it's it's organic what happens in the films we get and the stories that come in are amazing and beautiful and organic and it's not cookie cutter. It's not like, you know, you're it, your day. Like you turn on a, a really well produced or and not that what we have isn't well produced, but you turn on, you know, any kind of regular series and you go, okay, that's the same old, same old each one of our stories. I have people who walk out of our theater sobbing sometimes mm-hmm. because the stories are so moving. So I, if I didn't do it, who, who would
1: yeah that's so, such a, that's such an entrepreneur's heart, right and mind is like if if not me then who and it's got to be you right like well, the, it has, the
0: story. this has to get out there yeah these stories have to get out there and they have to get out there in their pure form it, mm-hmm. and so you know it's this this is just a it's turned into it's a passion and you know it's built and it's but I can still Eleven years, I can tell you this. Eleven years later, I have documentaries coming in this year that I'm still like, "Oh my god, this is so good! I can't believe how good this is." And you know, that happens all the time. So, so as long as they keep coming in, we've had films from Hong Kong. We have a filmmaker in India who did a beautiful polo documentary. Oh wow! Um, she's made three different films documentaries that have been in the festival we had a a documentary about the horses in Fukushima Japan after the tsunami we've had Australia New Zealand France Belgium uh South Brazil we've had films from all over the world in this film festival so when you get that kind of response you go something was missing in the market Mm -hmm. and so having a place for these films to get reviewed and awarded and the same with the books and everything It we were that whole we're filling a hole that was in the market I think yeah
1: and an important one at that so I have this dream and I think it's I it came out after like I thought about it I had been thinking about it and then after I went to Sacramento and I met Felipe and I met Lisanne who wrote <laughs> Felipe rode from Canada all the way to Ushuaia Argentina and Lisanne from coast to coast uh, of the U.S. I I think my long ride that I'm pretty confident I'm going to do eventually is going to be along the border um from San Diego to Brownsville something like that where you know I'm I'm a kid from the border raised in, in the border and I've always ever since I started talking to you and I started meeting these <laughs> folks who do long rides I'm like well what's my long ride going to be <laughs> um oh.
0: I have a family right now. It's called the LNL Manquest. It's Lucas and Levi. They're both homeschooled. It, I think they're 14 and 16. They're riding around the United States right now with their parents. They've been on on the trail for almost a year already. And their goal is to do all 50 states on horseback. They're they're training mustangs as they're going along. They'll be part of our event in Westcliff, Colorado. Uh, Amazing young men. Their parents are incredible. Be a great interview for you because it's something that these people that go out and do, you know, we talk about the long ride. It takes such a different person to go out and do that. And these boys, these two boys are doing it for their um, homeschool senior product. Project. So oh, this wow. will be their, you know, they're doing all of their homeschooling stuff as they're going along. So that's yeah. what their their project is. But they're doing, you know, they're learning how to do fundraising. They, I had just had them get a page set up on GoFundMe so they can Marketing. GoFundMe or one of them so they can start to raise some funds and as they're going because but they actually- ride and then they stop and they do shoeing or they do horse training for a couple of days and then they go on.
1: That actually reminds me of a question that I had for you is how, um, how is, how do folks fundraise for this? Is it, it, do they find sponsors like for Equus, for example, you, you, you have sponsors that help put, put it on. Um, Do these long riders, do they do the same thing? Do they put up their own money? Like, How does that work? And are brands interested in helping this kind of uh, mission?
0: Brands should be more interested than Mm -hmm. they are in helping. Um, Lisanne had some help with the Mustang Heritage Foundation when she started, but then that kind of fell away as Mustang Heritage Foundation was restructuring. Mm -hmm. But uh, Felipe was working with um, a television station when mm. he started, so he had some funding, but his funding was was support where he could send his footage, like with the boys that are doing the man quest right now, I'll be bringing them out some camera uh, uh, some pie like, type tripods and uh, a gimbal and a couple of hard drives so they can download stuff on, and then that'll go to julianne mm. you, and we'll start to put that together unless. A bigger group comes along and says, oh, like, we would love to follow this story. You know, so that that's how these stories happen. Like, you you didn't get a chance to meet. In 2019, we had a woman named Bernice Endy, who was, she's the Lady Longrider. And we have a documentary in the festival called Lady Longrider. She also wrote a, a book, uh, an amazing character. She was She got divorced at 50 and then just got on her horses and just started riding and rode until she died. And she died right as Lisanne was getting ready to start the ride because she was kind of like Lisanne's hero. Mm -hmm. Bernice passed away from cancer. And uh, and I think they're going to be inducting her into the Cowgirl Hall of Fame next year because they just had a, a bunch of people have to write. In to, to get her inducted into the Cowgirl Hall of Fame. But she just got on and rode. There are so many people who do this who just get on and ride. Yeah. There's Olympic riders that you don't, that you know, that you would be blown away if you knew that they had, like the Davidsons, had done long rides. The people who, who are in the Long Riders Guild would kind of blow you away.
1: Yeah, I can, I can only imagine, you know, and I was telling you right before we started recording um, I moved down to Springfield, Missouri for a little bit and I picked up endurance riding. Um, uh, There's a, I I found that endurance riders are always really happy to lend you their horse. uh, If, if you work them and you're a good rider and all this stuff, because they need a horse that's in good shape, right. To do these 25, 50, hundred mile rides. Um, And once you know, the longest ride we've done is about 20 miles or something like that. So um, for some folks, that's not that much, right? Maybe a day's work for Felipe. But <laughs> um, for my first time doing 20 miles, it was it was quite insane. You know, like af- the day after I'm hurting, I feel all the little things. Um, and, and and you dirt. think
0: you're a good rider.
1: Yeah, I like to think so. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So I don't know it's definitely a different mentality when you go into it and um there is something about long riding that is so mental that i that's the that's the challenge it's like how the challenge becomes of course there's a physical aspect to it but after a while it's mental you're going so long for so so far it's crazy. I don't know. For me, it was it was really captivating to to get into the sport this summer, and I'm really now in. I'm really into it now.
0: <laughs> well, there's a veteran right now. Um, his name is Matt Perella. He's riding. Oh yeah. Uh, it's called the Three Amigos, and he's riding uh, across the country. He's trying to do the fastest trip with one man and one horse.
1: I um. What a, he competed this year in the in the Mongol Derby.
0: Yes, he went and rode the Mongol Derby.
1: Yeah, I gotta yeah. talk to him because I'm going. You next should. Year.
0: I'll I'll cook you. I'll hook you up. Well, <laughs> think- and a a friend of mine runs one of our filmmakers, Julie Velu, who did a documentary called The Bobi Gallup. She runs a ride in Mongolia, but it's it's not a race. It's a timed point to point race. They have three or four, maybe even five now in Mongolia, mm-hmm. but they. Out of their money that they make on that race, they raise funds to build uh, kindergartens for, and libraries for this for this kids in Mongolia. Because the first time she ever went there to ride, and she didn't start riding until she was almost sixty. Till she, so the first time she went there to ride, she was appalled because the kids, all the children, were in the garbage dump looking for food, looking for clothing, looking. Whoa. And so she came home and she and her husband started the b Foundation because of the horses, because of the law going to do the long ride. And now they build school or uh, kindergartens and, and community centers in these communities. Isn't it in so Mongolia. interesting
1: how many it people is. there are doing these like amazing things through uh, their vehicle being horses, right? Like in a yes. lot of ways, Um that's so. So you have a particularly expansive view of this. Like, what do you feel is missing? Like, is there is there something that you think someone hasn't touched into yet or tapped into as much as they could have
0: with the with the horse documentaries? Yeah, it was um, horse. you know, it gets it it gets so like you you've got your um, the crossover between what people do as in, in the documentary world of horse stel- storytelling versus kind of the very polished, what they do with like uh, some like ride TV or some of the other, there's a, there's a point where they miss the real story, what the real stories are. So mm-hmm. like we're talking to um, some groups about, especially with this, with the LNL and man quest, That's, and this is what I tried to promote when we had the sand riding across the country. Is this is a? It's happening every day. People can tune in and watch or see what they're doing every single day. In in a world that you're not, most people are never going to get into. I mean, look, you're just getting into it, and you've rode, but. Nobody people can sit at their desk and watch these kids footage from these kids. Um, the biggest thing I think is missing for, uh, for the the storytellers mm-hmm. and the and the vehicles to do that with is all of the the, the sponsorship people, co- companies that horses are there vehicle to make money and the horsemen who are spending that money support those companies and then those companies not supporting Mm. in that the other part of the industry and so you know it's one thing that they put their name on a big horse show somewhere or there's a hundred thousand dollars show jumping cup or something but that's fine for there's the the upper level. Yeah. But that's here and all the rest of the riders are here. The rest yep. of the world is here. Yeah. There's very few up at the top and and you've got to be cognizant of the the people telling the stories doing the being doing the everyday real stuff with those horses with the horses. That's what I, one of the things I love about Temple is she's just like, so no BS. She's, this is the way this stuff goes. This is I don't care who's who's this person or who's that person or whether I'm upset in their apple cart. This is what works. This is what you should do. So do it. Trying to make sure that you don't step on this person's toe or don't step on that person's toe. I, I just got a little bit of a, a chiding because I was talking about some of the people that tend to dump a lot of horses at kill pens. And so, you know, to me, it, those people need to be called out. Um, but it's like, oh, you can't because, you know, there's a lot of people that do this or that that are, you know, from those groups. But it's still, that, you know, what kind of people take baby horses to a, to a, to auctions? It is what it is. You just have to, you have to believe in what you're doing and believe that you're on the right path and that you're doing it for the right reasons. And we're doing it for the horses. In my world, it's about the horse first. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of it falls into place, but it is about the horse first.
1: I I love that. <laughs> I, I it's it makes so much sense, right? And and it's so sad to see um folks missing the 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 connection from you know, the, the, the high, like I, I, the tip top of the, of the pyramid, as you mentioned, nice. is like, people know about it, right? FEI, like all those big competitions or whatever, but the majority of horse folks, the majority of horse people, if you will, uh, are down, are down in the middle and bottom of the, of the pyramid. And why do you think like Netflix or Apple TV or these big like media companies these days, like aren't necessarily, as open to acquiring this kind of content.
0: (laughs) You know, that kills me because we had a documentary three years ago and that Robert Redford was the executive producer on it. The Springsteins were executive producers, Bruce Springsteen's music's in it. Emmylou Harris's music is in it. Willie Nelson's music is in it. It's called the Mustangs, America's wild horses. And, trying to to the filmmaker trying to shop that around to get it on two platforms doesn't happen. Once in a while you'll get one of our films will be picked up kind of like by the Hallmark channel if it's a, if it's a feature film and it's kind mm. of in that you know Hallmark Hallmark kind of vein. but to me it's very very sad that uh, there isn't Netflix. Crying, all of those that even the even the I mean there's so much crap on TV, so much crap. Re, the reality shows to me a reality show is Lasanne riding across the country with her Mustangs, and then the the dog getting bit by a snake when they're in southern Southern Illinois at the uh, Shawnee National Forest. As beautiful as that is, how many people know about Shawnee? Uh, you know it's telling that story. And then people are learning about the forest and learning about where she's riding. And I didn't even know that there was a trail that went from East coast to West coast. It's the American discovery trail is the Mm -hmm. only trail right now that runs East to West. And they're still trying to go through all of the legislation to become a, a nationally recognized trail. So, but I didn't know I didn't know that
1: yeah, this is this is news to me, yeah, we're gonna who do we need to lobby? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there's a bill in Congress, so I mean there's just there's so much going on. There's two or three bills in Congress right now about mustang horses. Mm. um Colorado just paint just passed a huge um bill about mustangs and and keeping mustangs um basically very much more protected in Colorado. And that bill got passed. And so now they have a big amount of money for education and all of that in Colorado, which goes contrary to the, uh, what the federal government, what the BLM says is okay to do. So you've got the state government saying, Oh no, we're not going to allow any more helicopter roundups. And, But then you have the BLM who comes in, and that's the way they round up. That's what they do. There is a bill in Congress in Washington to get the helicopter roundup stopped. There is a group, uh, the Forest Service out in in Colorado, just has been doing a newer, kinder, and there's nothing new about it. If you're any kind of hunter, you know about baiting baiting the deer to the area You know, so what they're doing is baiting the wild horses in to an area where then they just basically close a gate on them Mm. instead of the hard roundups. And it's working in Colorado with the Forest Service, and they're doing an amazing job of it. But getting that story out there and the Forest Service not wanting to, you know, other people's toes not getting, it's all the politics of everything. And so... I hope I'm hoping that there's a new generation of people coming out that are like, Well, look at what's happened with the politics and let's let's get past that because otherwise the planet's gonna burn up and everything else is gonna happen. (laughs) Yeah.
1: There's there's also I drove
0: I drove down past the street or down past my street the other day and I saw a sign on the side of the road that said Anybody over seventy for or under seventy for president? (laughs) Yeah, literally. (laughs) There is the statement: anybody under seventy for president. So, it 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 takes a different mindset anymore to not to not get kind of stuck in the same old same old of what is and what isn't.
1: You know, uh, I would love to have a conversation with some of these Colorado folks who who were part of this legislation. I think that I'm still trying to dig into my understanding of why wild mustangs are so controversial and every single aspect of it is so controversial. Like there's there's so many layers to wild mustangs and their, and their controversy from, you know, in a lot of ways, our perspective where they're the spirit of the West. These are animals that have feelings and can change lives versus sometimes the BLM who shared that perspective. However, May 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 act on it very very differently than perhaps you and I may act on it. Yes. So like, why? What is so controversial about wild mustangs? I don't know. I'm. I mean, I I know, but that's what the Mustang
0: Summit's about. That's what the Mustang Mm. Summit is. We're trying to address and ask those questions and get the people, get the BLM in the room. We have Mustang Heritage Foundation in the room, which they work. They get BLM money to run their programs. And there's a new organization. And I think you met Matt out in in um, California last year. But Matt Monroe, they have a new organization called Mustang Champions, which is all working with the BLM in order to get programs where people can get these horses and showcase them and, and put them into homes. But think for a minute. And this is where the numbers make me crazy. Think for a minute: How many horses are in the Hunter Jumper Association? How many horses are in the uh, American Quarter Horse Association? How many Arabian horses are there in Illinois? There's a minimum last count that the Horse Council did. It was like 174,000 recreational horses in Illinois. Mm -hmm. So you take those 50 states, and even if every all of the 50 states just has maybe 50,000 recreational horses if you just took it across the board, which the numbers got to be bigger than that. But anyway, you do that math and then you say, oh, there's only 60,000 horses that we're talking about helping and getting homes and putting them into programs that work. The numbers don't make sense. The numbers Mm. don't add up. And so when you look at like the Chincotee model of them how they go, they round the ponies up. The fire department—it's been—it's supported the fire department now for almost seventy-five years. I think maybe it might even be more than seventy-five years, within in Shinkatie Island or Assateague Island. But the Chincotee ponies—they round them up, they swim them across the the, the waterway, they. They walk them through town. 40,000 people come and visit the town for this event. They ride them in. They separate out the babies. They take the breeding stock and it gets swum back across the, the, the channel. And they have a major auction event for the people come from all over the country to get their shinkety pony.
1: Whoa. What if that
0: was happening for your sandwash basin HMA horses? Or create you create the market, you create the niche you create the 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 people who want
1: those horses totally 100 percent,
0: and it's marketing
1: yeah it is isn't it it's so simple yet so hard right like at the same time because um yeah it makes sense now why you're going to albuquerque and doing all there's this because of the the ponies down there like the wild mustangs in in the gila um but wild mustangs they have so much they're just so uh, amazing, right? And Spirit, the movie right. Spirit, like you just kind of get reminded of these, like how important Mustangs are to the American way of life, you know, and I'm not talking about American way of life today, but like Native American. Well, the history. The whole yeah, history. the history, like everything. History. Is just, yeah. One of the
0: big problems with the Mustang horses is that the Bureau of Land Management still does not see the horse as a native native to the North American plateau. They still oh. do not see Equus Caballus as a native breed. We now know through DNA research and uh, through a, a majority of the documentaries that I can share with you on the DNA research, that all horses in the world, all horses in the world, started on the north american plateau everything all all the dna comes back so where they say human beings as we are started on the african plateau Mm -hmm. all horses started in north america and they they've migrated they they went around the world a few times when the land bridge broke away in inside the the bering straits Mm -hmm. of blocking the horses off for maybe seven thousand years which in the history of the world is not nothing yeah and then when the when the conquistadors came back with when spain came back in and pillaged mexico those horses got loose and went back up that's why there's so much spanish what they call spanish blood in those horses in Mm -hmm. the mustang Mm -hmm. but actually the Spanish horses are more Mustang because mm. all of that is, you know, it's all from, all from the same. It's the same gene. Well, so it's it's so interesting.
1: Oh, there's, it just gives me chills. I want to. There's learn a great so documentary
0: called Return of the Horse that I'll send you the link. It's so good to watch.
1: Yeah, I'd love to, and I'm gonna try and get someone from the BLM to to be on the podcast. To chat I can with get this. you
0: a great. I can get you. Two or three really great amy dumas is out in california she's it, no you did yeah maybe you met amy amy's amazing and I'd she works to. works with the wild towards and bureau, bureau program out there we've got some great blm people that
1: would oh help. that'd be awesome i i'm so interested in this and i can i can say wholeheartedly that uh you and equus inspired me to have to be my own to like my future is to have at least two horses, right? Like that's how I envision my life. Um, And I want them to be Mustangs. And I can say wholeheartedly it's because of everything I've learned in the last year, just being on this podcast and talking to folks um, about how like awesome, but I want to train in my, I want to be like, I want to grab the note. I want to pay for the note, the Mustangs that no one's touched. And then I want to earn its trust. And I want to be like, I I want to be that bond.
0: I want you to spend some time with, with Sky Epperson, who's uh, sky was out with us in Sacramento's big dog guy. He now runs the Mustang adoption Academy in Holtz, Indiana, Southern Indiana. Oh, cool. And he does neuro pathway work. He and Anna Maria Sims work together with the, with the Mustangs and doing the neuro pathway body work release with the horses that just come in from the wild. And, it's, it's a game changer. We, we spent six days. Um, Julianne Neal was filming a documentary in July down at Skye's farm. And we had four, five, there were four horses and one foal that came in wild, untouched. And we took six days of working with those horses and how far Sky got. And Anna Maria got with their training with those six horses. And it's, it, it's it's a game changer.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine. I I yeah. like want to feel that so bad, but um, it's not in my short term timeline. But once I settle down and have a live in a place where I can have a few horses, Lisa, you'll you'll know, and uh, I'll, you'll be one of the first folks I call. <laughs> um, I have a few uh rapid fire questions I want to ask. Okay, go ahead. And then uh, we can wrap things up. I want to be cognizant of your time as well. So, what's uh okay? First question is: Do you have a favorite horse you've ever ridden?
0: Well, the, uh, yes, it's my horse I have now. It's Urano. He's he's my heart horse. He's the, mm. if you have see any of the social media, is the one that we we just had dressed up as a unicorn for a bunch of little kids that came. Oh. In. He's, he's 22 now. Um, he's a Lusitano. I just gelded him, so he was a stallion up until last year Oof. when he had his last baby. But um, I, we had 11 kids with nine different families. Come in! for Every fifteen minutes, another kid came in, and he stood there, absolutely like, like, like a model. Like, okay, wow. I wrap my head with this big unicorn horn, and <laughs> wow. and but I now know how people who do Santa like get up dressed up as Santa at Christmas, because every one of those kids that walked back came back the path, and I would put him on top of a hill. And they would come back a path and see the unicorn standing at the top of the hill, squealing and excited and wait <laughs> to get their picture with him. And then he'd come down and we'd do the 10 minutes of pictures and they would leave and the next group would come in. And he was so good. But he's uh, my art. So he's uh, my big guy.
1: That's awesome.
0: He's here from Brazil, so.
1: Oh, okay. So he speaks a little. He's got a, with yeah, a little he's, accent. Maybe. He's,
0: that, he's that Spanish flavor.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, so my next question is, do you have a favorite place you've ever ridden?
0: Um. Yeah, south of France.
1: Oh, okay. I, nice.
0: I love riding in the south of France. I we wasn't went the, there... plan,
1: by the by the way. Pardon me? I said, oh, nice. And I, <laughs> no intended. No pun intended. <laughs>
0: no pun intended. <laughs> oh, it, it's the most beautiful place I've ever ridden in the world.
1: Wow. So I'm going to have to put that on my list. Um, <laughs> okay, and then... What is a trend you're seeing in the equine industry that you feel everyone should be aware of, or at least be thinking about? And I think we, we may have touched on something.
0: Yeah. I think everybody needs to be really aware of what's happening at, with our government with, um, like if everybody really got involved in the Mustang conversation with, with the, from the government aspect, it, it things would change very quickly. Mm-hmm. Every rider like we talked about so you have your big hunter dumper people they start on a pony these little Mustang horses this is the perfect thing for them we have people in uh, ann Hanlon who's in uh Maryland who events her Mustangs there's a whole group Gideon that that is trying to get polo players the whole polo industry started with Mustang horses <laughs> yeah. and the guy who's doing that is in Ohio so there's you know if we use those horses for the for the starting riders, the, the little dressage horses, your uh, dressage pony cup, that kind of thing, that just educating just getting people to be more aware of, of that.
1: Yeah, totally. My two last questions um, I'm not gonna they're not they don't have to be related to horses but I have a feeling they might be It. it's uh, what is your favorite movie?
0: Oh, my favorite movie. Uh, well, it isn't. It isn't a horse movie.
1: Oh, okay, but, <laughs> nice.
0: Oh, my, it, it's called um the old Meg Ryan. Movie. It's called French Kiss. But
1: oh, nice. <laughs> that's it's awesome. very.
0: It's a very cute movie.
1: Yeah, um, that's that's so great. And then your favorite book is my last question.
0: Oh well, I love Felipe's book, but I also love Lady Long Rider. It was a really good book. Um. Anne Rand, I, I could read Anne Rand all the time, you know, yeah. Fountainhead. So, so um Atlas Shrugged, you know, one of the books that changed a lot of my thinking all the way around is Atlas Shrugged. So.
1: That's a infamous book. I actually, I should put it on my list of reading this year. I, I know it's like, you know, you could build a yeah. house with that book, but. Um,
0: yeah, but it reads fast. Yeah. And, and, and like a book I remember that kind of changed things for me, when I was younger and reading animal, animal farm, mm-hmm. I, I I still remember what I felt like after I read that book. Wow. You know, but, and then that goes hand in hand with politics, not just then now, ever, all the
1: time. Yeah. So. Forever. <laughs> totally. Yes.
0: Forever and ever.
1: Um, Cool. Well, Lisa, thanks so much for making time for, for the, for me here at the horse people podcast. I really appreciate you and all the people that you've sent me, Uh, for folks who are listening who don't know my relationship with lisa lisa is the reason uh this podcast exists like no doubt without you you, um you know finding me so early in my little podcasting journey i don't know if i would have kept doing it for so long so thank you so much from the bottom of my heart i mean it oh thank you very much
0: well i'm gonna have about another 10
1: for you after we got this call that sounds right
0: they'll be (laughs) all good ones though
1: Yes, yeah, absolutely. Lisa, thanks again, I really appreciate you. It's okay, thank you
0: so much, Vivian.